Welcome to Your Grit Story Podcast, where we chat with founders, leaders, and changemakers to learn about their journey to make the future a reality. I'm Eric, your friendly host. Follow us on where you are tuning in or find us on any social media channels to catch highlights and snippets of our episodes. Let's be inspired by the stories while you create your grit story. All right, uh, we are back on Your Grid, Your Grid Story podcast. And uh, as part of the origin series, we uncover the day ones of starting up and scaling up and overcoming challenges of running a startup. And today we have Jonathan Lowe with us. Jonathan is an entrepreneur, father of two, and a magician. He's that a casual magician. So happy to have John with us today to unpack his story today. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, really glad to be here. Great to have you here and thanks for your time taking off your busy schedule. I've known you over a decade, right? In fact, I've just counted about 12 years or 13 years uh, over the NOC program where we were in Silicon Valley, but we'd love to have you to do a very quick intro about yourself so the listeners can get to know you. On to you, John. Yeah, so currently I'm working on a startup. We are building a regional payroll platform for regional companies and we are a YC-backed company. Before this, I co-founded Honesty. Interesting story there where we had a very spectacular growth and also a very spectacular failure, right? It was something that really I learned a lot and it was really, really interesting. And then, of course, you know, my roots actually started very much when I was in NUS, you know, where, you know, when we were all together back at the time and we all went to like Silicon Valley for our NOC internship, you know, so it kind of really all started from that place. Yeah. Nice, nice. So, so let's start from there, right? From the NOC program that we were there staying in Mountain View in a Bay Area, right? So, so share with us your journey from since then uh, when you were working in Zong, if I recall correctly, yeah, yeah. all the way to now on what you're working on. Yeah, so I think for a Singaporean, like getting out of the country, working someplace else and being independent, that was probably a very valuable and enriching experience for me. And I think being based in the Bay Area, being able to see and experience a very, very different kind of culture, very different kind of communication was something that is like, you know, is literally like huge culture shock. I think like for a lot of people that go to the US Bay Area and then it is just culture shock all the time. Like every single month you're there and, and th- that one year period is just really, really short. And I think there's so much that I absorbed and I learned from there. And a lot of times, sometimes it's not about what you learn on the present, but a lot of times it's kind of like you experience something but maybe only three years, four years, or even eight years, 10 years later. And then, you know, I look back and I'm just like, oh, there was actually something that I picked up somewhere that really applies to what I'm doing here, or that's why I'm doing something now. You know, so I kind of think like all these different things kind of shape who I am. So NOC was really a great place where it built a lot of inspiration, where we kind of feel like, okay, you know, we want to do a startup and all that. And then, you know, after university where I graduated, I actually worked in a startup with a prof band, you know, for around a year plus. And then after that, I went on to work at, on Honesty, right? And, you know, it's actually through one of my co-founders, Isaac, that I knew the team and then, and then we co-founded Honesty. And, you know, I think Honesty is just really interesting in a sense, like it was both incredibly awesome and also incredibly awful. Like, you know, both at the same time. Like, it's like these two conflicting things that's going on, right? It's it's really awesome because like one is that we built a really great team 
we had this really amazing growth and I was just learning so much. You know, every single day it was new, it was interesting, it was very challenging. We had a very great brand and we were going regional, going to different markets. So lots of interesting challenges every single day, right? And it was just so awful also because ultimately we failed, right? The business model was not sustainable and something as you might you know, see sometimes in the media, actually, we did have a very toxic working culture, which at that point of time, when I was in it, right, I just couldn't see it. You know, I think like what's really interesting is sometimes that because we're all doing a, we're doing a startup and we just want to believe in things so strongly that we choose to compartmentalize and not see a lot of other things, right? And so after Honest B, I went on to join NTUC Enterprise, which is like a very corporate structure, right? And then I was just like, oh, wow. Actually, the environment that I worked in the past was awful and terrible, you know? And it's just really strange because I remember like my first six months in NTUC Enterprise, which I'll just call NE, right? NE. After work hours, I'll just check my phone every 10 minutes, check for emails, check for messages. Is there anything going on? And there was like very little messages. There's very little emails. And even if there was something, they were not urgent, right? No one was going to yell at me if I didn't respond to a message in five minutes. <laughs> it's like, and, and you know, then I'll just, you know, after the whole honesty experience, I was just like, oh, what exactly the hell did I actually go through? You know, I didn't realize because to me then that was actually really normal. You know, you know, I definitely came out with some kind of PTSD coming out of honesty. And what's challenging and interesting, you know, I mean, interesting now as I think about it, but like what's challenging is that even though I may recognize that I have PTSD, even though I may recognize I'm facing certain problems, because I don't really understand or know what is normal, it is actually really hard for me to tackle it. So it took a long time. You know, over the two years that I spent at NTUC Enterprise, very slowly some of these PTSD effects like started to unwind and go away. You know, and it can be very, very strange stuff, which is, for example, if someone sets up a one-on-one -on -one with me, I'm always geared to be like, oh crap, is this person resigning? Did something go wrong? Did something explode? Like, that is like the first place I reach to, which is full of anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. And that was because of the environment that was in, in, in honesty. But of course, then going to NTUS Enterprise, I start to realize like, hey, what is really normal? What do things actually really look like, right? And so it took a while for all of that to unwind. And I think even now today, there's still some bad effects, you know, that sometimes I still experience. And then after two years there, it was a really nice working environment. But I think like from a culture perspective, it was really not for me. You know, I think like I always kind of felt out of place. It's kind of strange because like three months in, six months in, one year in, I'll be like, um, maybe I just need a bit more time, right? But I always just felt out of place. I think the pace, the environment was just not something that I really enjoyed that much. Nothing to do with them. It's more of just like, you know, what I wanted. So then I left my job in like October 2021. And actually leaving that job at that point of time, I actually went through a really, really tough period. So my second kid was actually going to be born on March the following year, right? Which is a great great thing. But one, I had no more income, so I was burning through my savings, right? Big changes are coming. And I ended up actually becoming 
I'll say like time poor because like I had more time at home and I actually spent it more on the home aspect, right? And so I think after I left my job for at least like the first three months or so, I felt incredibly unproductive, right? But at the same time, there were also lots of things that I was trying to do to just get the families and all this stuff in place. You know, like one of the things we, we did was, you know, we started looking for helper. We renovated our home so that helper would have a room. I don't know what we were thinking, but, but basically me and my wife, when we first got our HDB, we were like, oh, let's knock down one of the rooms so we have a nicer <laughs> living room. You know? And we never thought like five years ahead, six years ahead, we're going to have two kids, right? Ah. <laughs> uh, then when we look back now, it's just like, oh my goodness, what, the, what, what, what were we thinking? You know, why did we knock down the room? Now we have to put it back up. So we did quite a bit of renovations. We also made the, the place a bit more child safe, so it's a bit less maintenance. And then after that, I think like only from January 2022 onwards, like I started to make a bit more progress. Then one of the other things that I also was doing, you know, was that I started to look for a co-founder. So I went on to this thing called Y Combinator uh, co-founder matching platform. So they actually have a matching platform, you know. Ooh. It is literally Tinder for founders. So it's my first time in the sense like uh, I went there, I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be on a dating app. You know, you got to brag about yourself, you have to make yourself look really like beautiful, you know. And in a way, I guess for Asians, you know, for Singapore Asians, whereby, you know, we tend to be very modest and humble. It was, you know, in a way, kind of uncomfortable, but important. On the same time also, you know, you go on this site and you look at all these other profiles and you start to wonder like, oh, I'm trying to brag and other people are trying to brag as well. So where is everyone really at, right? What is really real? But I think I got really, really lucky. So I found my co-founder, Thomas, through YC Matching Platform, right? And it's kind of interesting because we actually met the first month that I was there and we just kept in contact from October all the way to February. And then in February itself, 2022 last year, we decided, hey, let's work on a project together. Let's see how things work. And we found out that we had really good rapport and we decided to continue working together, you know. And I think one of the things that really worked out and is still working for us is really like, you know, Thomas, he himself is also a parent of a young kid. So in that sense, like there were many things that we understood about each other, which is that, hey, we're going to need some flexibility around our schedule. We know that we're all going to be working hard, but it's just sometimes like my kid is sick or whatsoever. I'm not going to be necessarily present in the day, right? And that was that common understanding that we have. And I think before being a parent, that's like something I never understood. I remember like in honest be like, we had parents there, we, ha we had parents, right? And the parent would be like, hey, John, I need some time and I need to do this and do this, so I'm going to take some time off. And of course, like being a manager is just like, oh yeah, okay, go do what you need to do, right? But the reality is that I could never really empathize or understand what exactly was going on, you know? Yeah. And then now I'm like, oh crap, now I understand what is going on, you know? So, so it's, it's, it's really not easy. Mm. And then after that with Thomas, you know, we applied into YC, and then we were really lucky in the sense that like, we got the YC. And I think like getting the YC also kind of changed the psychology in terms of how I felt and how I thought. From October all the way to like, I'll say May, when we knew we got in the YC, right? At the back of my head was like, 
I have a timeline, which is like maybe one year plus, two years, and I'm just burning through my savings. And that's kind of like, I think, a pretty hard thing to manage as you're just trying to build a startup. And I think that's why I kind of say like it was a tough period. You know, I was stressed unnecessarily just because I felt like, oh, you know, I'm trying to do this thing, but at the same time, my savings are, are getting depleted. And also, you know, I have family stuff that I need to settle as well, right? So I think like when we got the YC, it was like, okay, now we have some funding. We're not alone. We have support. We have some validation. That feels a lot better, you know? And what's really funny is that we nearly didn't make it into YC because the week before the deadline for YC itself was when my son was born, my second son was born. So at that point of time, I was like telling Thomas like, hey, I know you really want us to apply for YC because Thomas has been the one that's just like, hey, let's apply for this. I think we should really go ahead. And I was like, but I feel so unready and maybe we can try for the next batch instead, right? And just by fluke, for whatever reason, one day before the end of the application, suddenly I was in the right mental space. I took a look at the application and I was just like, oh, this is not as hard as what we thought it was going to be. And so we then fill in the application. We film our one minute video to YC and then we sent it over all in the span of like, you know, 24 hours, you know. Wow. So like it nearly didn't happen. We nearly didn't apply. And if we didn't apply, I think I would be in a very, very different now state, you know, at this point of time. So like getting the YC was like, it was a crazy boost for our confidence, our morale. And I think like at that point of time, it's like, you know, this is up, this really up what, you know, feeling that we had. And we're like, hey, we must be doing great, right? Like this is a validation for what we're working on, you know. For some context, we were not working on building payroll before YC. We we're working on something else entirely, okay? So we went into YC. And then we have two office hours with our group partners, right? So in YC itself, they will assign you like group partners that will do like office hours with you. And they ask the really deep fundamental questions. And these questions are like as basic and simple as like, what are your users saying about your product? What are they telling you? What are you learning? And like sometimes during those sessions, we'll be like, oh yeah, this is what they are, they are saying. This is what they're learning, what we're learning. And then they will go deeper and say like, oh, like, how do you ask these questions? Like, are you really wow. sure that, you know? Because there are a lot of times that, you know, sometimes when we ask people questions, yep. sometimes we, we inject our own interpreting questions, right? Yeah. And that clouds how things are, right? So after two office hours, we realized that actually what we were doing, our idea really, really sucked. And so we had to like, you know, pivot during the batch itself. We had to change our idea. And that's something that we had worked on for at least six months at that point of time. And also then being like, you know, like Asian and all this, I thought to myself like, oh my goodness, this is so embarrassing, right? Like, how did we get accepted? <laughs> it's like, we yeah. must be failures. These guys must be thinking like, oh, we are so disappointed. You know, it must be super disappointing. Then thankfully, like there were kind of three things that really like helped to just like prop me up, right? First, like there was this YC call. And, you know, one of the YC group partners, Dalton, he basically gave this really like motivational, encouraging talk about, hey, you're all accepted into YC because we really believe in you, you know? And I think the part of that, him saying like YC really believes in you was just super important for us, you know? 
And I think it had a very incredible effect on me, definitely. Because like, I'm not sure how it was for you growing up, but it's always, in Singapore here, it's always like more the reverse approach. It's like, oh, you got a B plus. You're not going to make it unless you work harder, right? You want to be a failure. You know, it's always that kind of negative approach. Whereas here, it was, it was very uplifting. And that went, one, went a long way for me. And then the other part was that we actually were really lucky. This was, there was a physical retreat that was at San Francisco. And this is the first in-person event after COVID, right? So we met other founders and we realized that, hey, actually, we're not really alone. Like one in three or one in four groups were also having to relook their idea, right? And I think third part was really like, you know, my co-founder, Thomas, he's like, he's kind of like a rock. He's like very indomitable, you know. Despite what was going on, he wasn't faced. He was like, okay, like we have to pivot. That's fine. Let's just do it. And then in my head, I was just like, oh, I was like a lot more things I was worrying about. But then like, because he's like, he didn't have that negative energy and he wasn't actually expressing any of it. It was like, okay, look, as a team, we're still doing great and we're fine. So I think that helped a lot. And then for most of our time in YC, we actually spent a lot of time doing user interviews we kind of like explored like over seven ideas before actually settling on doing payroll for Southeast Asia itself. And, you know, even after getting out of YC, we've learned a lot more about the space and, you know, always making small little adjustments. Yeah. Wow. It's like, what you just shared just now is like, it's like almost like five, 10 episodes, right? Of, you know, <laughs> journey and, and, and your story. But thanks for sharing. I think it's, it's great to know like how, how all the way from 10 years ago, Till now, right? As being a parent, lot challenges, ups and downs, a bit of history of like two big things coming together in Honors V and all that. So just double clicking on just be very curious, oh curiosity question, right? What idea were you working on before payroll? Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> so like so like um we were actually working on something that was more of like a productivity app that was meant for engineering managers, right? So previously, like when I was in NTUC Enterprise, like there was when I was like full-blown being a manager and there was just so much context switching that I found it really hard to keep up with stuff. And so I actually spent a lot of time on productivity techniques, whether it's like, you know, how you take notes, zero inbox, and, and that's something that really helped me along the way to manage a lot of change of context. And so I was just like, hey, I had to kind of like figure some of these things out myself. The tools are not there. So why don't we try and build something there? And it was in YC itself where one, we came face to face really with the challenge that productivity is actually really a very personal thing. And all of us are going to do it differently, right? So I think what it really was, was that, you know, we realized that it was not something that was going to be venture backable from a market perspective. And even if it was, we were probably, you know, the chance of success was probably going to be really, really low, right? Yeah. Do we really think like, you know, you can compete or be like a notion, right? I mean, Obviously, Notion is amazing and they got to where they were after quite a, a while, but not everyone is going to get there, right? So that's where we look at the facts and we had to accept it. And then we're like, okay, let's look at other ideas. So we actually explored a lot of parallel ideas in the sense like we look at a lot of engineering management related problems. We look at engineering related problems. And I think the nature of engineering management also then kind of like got us closer to payroll itself. And... One of the things about payroll that I remember at Honest was that every time we go to a new market, it's either we have to hire some kind of HR administrative or operational role, which if you're going to a new market, that's not what you want to do. <laughs> because you're opening up the market, you don't want to hire 
administrative or operational roles, right? So the alternative is that you outsource and pay a vendor to do it for you. And what ended up happening is that basically for us, payroll would be handled differently in every single country. In some cases, we use a vendor. In some cases, we use a software. In some cases, we did it ourselves or a mix of any three. And it was extremely fragmented. So I remember that we had a problem, you know, and I kind of like spoke to a lot of the past ex-HR people in, in, in Honestly, I spoke to more people in, in other companies and I realized like, hey, there isn't actually any good solution out there that can really solve payroll well for bigger companies. I remember interviewing this lady who handles companies for like over 500 plus people, regional, all right? And the day of when payroll starts will be around the 11th or 14 of the month, that's when she starts doing all her payroll work and it ends like maybe 28 of the month. And I asked her like, so how do you take holidays? And then she's like, uh, well, you know, I'd maybe take like short three day, four day holiday, but always at the start of the month. That's, we're talking about a big company, you know, that can afford two Darwin box or work day. They can afford enterprise software. And yet from a payroll perspective, it's still very manual there's still a lot of things that's broken. And that's why we were like, okay, look, I think there's really an opportunity there. And then on the other hand, my co-founder Thomas, he had more experience like working with like more SME businesses because like before this, he was exploring different ideas and working a lot with SME uh, owners. And he was like, oh, you know, like I spoke to quite a lot of people in SME side and the way they're doing payroll today is still actually quite manual. Even if they use software, there's still quite a lot of other things that they need to handle, right? And we were like, how can we make it such that payroll itself is something that you spend as minimal time as possible, literally zero, right? All the way from small to large businesses. And that's really how we think about it. So like, while we say like, hey, look, we're solving payroll, at the end of the day, what we really want to do is for you to spend as little time in ops as possible on things that is like payroll or even other HR stuff because we want you as a HR person to be able to focus on higher level work that's less administrative, less manual and more people facing, right? There's so many times I see and, and work with HR people and they're super well-meaning and they always have a lot of projects that can improve the company or the teams, but they're always brought down by administration. It's always like, oh yeah, I have this project, but like this week I have to do this. And so, you know, we slow down. And so I think that's where, you know, our software is geared towards really helping them take away all this manual stuff so that they can focus on really the people matters. Yeah, and, and very importantly, helping to build the company culture and also well-being for the employees, right? Yeah. And it, just what you shared, interestingly, when the idea you had, where you pivoted to what you're working on on payroll and improving efficiency for uh, HR folks, is that really... You know, when mentioned about productivity app, there might be a lack of monetization strategy or even adoption, right? But I think what you're working now has a quite very clear, right? Very clear in terms of monetization and very clear problem statement that you are kind of tackling. And you guys have context on what's going on in HR world. I would like to double click on YC. Yeah. Right? First of all, really, really, I think that's a very important anchoring point and to build a confidence for the team. Would you mind sharing some tips, right? How do you manage to use 24 hours to fill the application for what is so, so different, so unique, right? That, that you can, you know, get the team can get, get in YC and the listeners can also kind of learn from you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, you know, I, 
don't really, of course, I'm not the one behind reviewing applications and all that. I think that one is that we got really lucky. I think like there were a few things that worked for us. One is that we were both technical, so we were, we were builders and that's something that they really like a lot. So if you are someone that can get your hands dirty, can build stuff, build prototypes, doesn't matter if like, you know, you're not necessarily a coder or whatsoever, right? Um, just to give some context, Thomas didn't come from a computer science background. He studied economics at SMU, decided to do a career switch to software engineering. Wow. And, you know, that's something that I have like so much respect for because that's a huge risk. And people may say, oh yeah, you're like, like, yeah, no, it makes sense right now. Software engineers are paid so, so much, right? But the career switch of all this is a lot of uncertainty there. You don't really know what's going on and you start from ground zero again. So like, I think like being a builder, being able to prototype stuff is really important. And now today with things like ChatGPT, I think like if you know how to use the tools, it's actually even easier, right? So they really favor people that build. I think YC also, they look mainly at the team. So like who you are, how much do you know your co-founders and some of these things. Perhaps because me and Thomas met on the YC co-founding matching platform. Mm. So they're like, maybe, hey, you know, uh, let's just try an experiment and see how these guys will do, right? <laughs> I don't know, right? So, so, so I'm sure that factored in a lot. Mm. I mean, definitely a lot of luck. But if you're thinking about the YC application, I think one of the things that really matter a lot is the ability to write and communicate clearly. You know, YC's application was not the first application we made. We actually applied for other things before that, where it was actually a very long form and you had to write a lot of stuff. And that's why I was like, oh no, I don't think I can do YC, right? But then when we look at YC applications, like, oh, focus on conciseness and all that. And I've been helping like other founders with their applications to YC. And I think one of the biggest error that I see is that you try too hard to sell what you're doing, right? YC doesn't want buzzwords. Like you don't say like, we are building an innovative AI business. Like this words like innovative and AI actually really don't do a lot of favor, right? Just describe what you're doing and maybe how you're solving it, right? In the most concise manner, in a way such that when both of us hear what the idea is, we both see the same picture, right? And I think that's like the number one most important thing about YC. I think the other thing about YC is like, if you want to get a YC, you definitely, you know, I do encourage you to drink the YC Kool-Aid, which is watch their videos, watch the startup school videos, get aligned with how they're thinking so that you, when you start adopting some of these principles yourself, then, you know, it's, it's also a higher success towards uh, getting in. But you know, there's definitely a lot of luck that's involved, yeah. Yeah, I think I think well, thanks for being humble, right? On on, on kind of pointing to luck, but I think the the team and you and you, you and Thomas it really kind of you know is is important that you anchor on you know just like you mentioned where YC mentioned that they believe in a team, right? More than an idea, yeah, right? The team more than an idea, and just doubling down on the team. I mean, you have grown a team before, right? In, in honestly, and and I suppose you will be growing a team, right, for a journey. So, what do you look for, especially you know, in the first five to ten hires in a startup? Yeah, you know, I think like one is like, we're probably not going to be hiring anytime soon. So, so something, you know, to add on is like, when we were YC itself, we got ourselves another co-founder as well. So this co-founder, he was actually also in YC itself, but unfortunately something happened and 
his company, you know, the team decided to go their own ways. At that point of time, like we were already talking to him quite a bit because he's actually a really experienced uh, engineer. He's worked on payment systems and things that are very complex and we were getting advice from him. So we were quite lucky that we managed to talk to him and he joined us as a co-founder. And I think generally, like when we think about early hires, right, it's really about how close can they get in terms of being aligned with the founders in terms of having that mindset of one being flexible, right? I think in the startup, a lot of things don't go the way that you want it to go. What happens this week is going to be different next week, right? And change can happen really, really quickly. So we need to be comfortable with change. And sometimes even if we don't understand why that change is, we need to be able to move ahead and move forward, right? So I'll say like when I look at the people that we will love to join us, I think it's really one is like, I, th- I think probably at the early stage, more like all-rounders, people that are very flexible, people that are both technical, but also able to do other things because there are times when you want all hands on deck, right? Definitely, I think for us, like because we're building more of a SaaS product, we definitely want more builders. The other aspect is like, we want people that can come in and set up processes, right? And one of the mistakes that you know I made in, in Honest B back then was that we hired VP folks from like large companies mm. thinking that they are going to come in and set the processes right because they know what big processes look like, right? The reality is that a lot of these VPs they join a large company and the processes were probably already set for them right at the start. And they have a lot of resources and a lot of budgets, right? So actually, I'll say that definitely the way I think about this, and maybe someone that is like less ingrained with how things should be, but more flexible in terms of figuring out how to solve problems and build up new processes, right? I think that's kind of it. I, I, a lot of it, I think, really comes down to the culture and the mindset you want i would want someone with growth mindset not someone that's like limited so i would say like i think like when we think about first five hires it's not just about the skill set the skill sets are given but a lot of it is more about the mindset of how they approach problems and how they work with different kind of situations yeah agree i mean being flexible as well i think why you touch on on being an all-rounder sometimes all hands on deck wearing multiple hats right yeah doing what needs to be done to get things out the door right i think that's that's very important being the first five hires and obviously a culture fit very important right so just kind of taking a step back from that right so let's talk about being a parent right both of us are big fathers of two two boys right and how do you manage to do it right you had a second kid right and what is the family support that you have when you kicked off the journey of our running this startup yeah actually i think like so one is that I'm really lucky that I have a lot of support. Like my wife is super supportive of this. She understands my decision. And actually she's happy watching me as well because even though I was like maybe working a corporate job and getting a good salary, like but mentally I was like, oh, this is not the right place. I don't feel so happy. And then now I'm like being paid like very little, right? But like at the same time, every day, every week, it's just like super fun, super exciting. So the whole like mindset is different. We do have like a helper at home and I think that goes a long way as well and things like that. I think like the biggest, biggest challenge I have and it's again more of a mental thing, a mindset thing that I had to face and I'm kind of glad that like 
it's becoming less of an issue, but sometimes it's still an issue for me, is that sometimes I feel it's a lose-lose situation. If I spend time with my startup, I'm going to miss the important moments with my kids. If I spend time with my kids, then maybe the chance of success for the startup is, is going to get worse because like, you know, I can't spend as much, right? And I think that that was an extremely depressing kind of like spiral that I had to like rationalize. And I think it took some time. It took some time for me. And, and I would say like, you know, it's only as recent as maybe like, let's see. I think only when my second son, like Luca was like 10 months old or so, it started and things became easier. Things became less stressful in the household because like he's waking up less times in the night. Then that mindset started to go away, right? And so it's, it's kind of like, I think it's really a lot about a mental game that, you know, I have founders or parents that are doing this have to manage. I really try to optimize in terms of when I have time with my kids, it's literally time with my kids. Still trying to do a lot better on that part, actually. But I think having to build that separation there, work is work, kids is kids, spend 100% attention there, spend 100% attention there when you need to, don't divide time. I think the worst thing that I found happening to me is like, maybe um, I'm with my kids, but maybe I'm on my phone trying to check or do some work stuff. That's actually the worst ever because like, I'm neither here nor there. I'm probably not optimizing on work. I'm also not optimizing on my family, right? So those were things that I had to like, this is not working out. It's making me feel bad. I just had to figure out some way or rationalize it. So I think like a lot of it was very mental. Yeah. So, so even though I have a lot of support, right? <laughs> like, like all that, yeah. it's still a lot of mental things that, that comes in. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And I think the fundamental layer is family supporting, right? Yeah. As you, as you venture, you know, something that, that definitely riskier than the corporate, right? I think family support and love is actually very important. Yeah. Kudos to that. Funny question. Are you playing a third one? <laughs> oh, <Just> man. <laughs> uh, actually, we talked about it, right? Um, but we think like we had our first two kids at too close an age range. I think, I think you also experience it, right? Like, like when they're too close together, wow, they get jealous, they fight over stuff. And yeah. then actually the older kid, right? It's like they still don't really know how to behave, right? Mm. But things are getting better now. But it's a very interesting dynamic. So if we do have a third kid, if we do, we, we think like we want to have a three-year uh, gap. So yeah. it's not reached a three-year gap yet. So like, you know, it's not on the, we're not considering at this part of time. Then when we reach that three-year gap, when Luca is like maybe two plus years old or so, then we're like, okay, do you think we want another one or not? Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. We do a third one, we have another episode, uh, then. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I want the time to do an episode already. Like, oh. With your kids together, yeah, with our kids, uh, we can do one together. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I mean I think a startup is also another kid, right? As you mentioned, 100 percent attention to the startup, 100 percent attention to the kid. And I think you're right on the dot where multitasking, having a phone on the side with the kid, and then you're like checking Slack messages or responding emails while you are attending to the kid it's just yeah it's just not very not not efficient right and it yeah. doesn't do well with the kid as well as we wrap up this episode let's just find a few questions as we wrap up this 45 minutes 50 minutes episode is just to mention about learnings that you gathered from your previous venture at honestly what are some learnings you gathered there and insights you gathered there that you, you are applying in your current role to ensure the success is maximized 
I think like at Honestbee, like because it was in a way like on an explosive growth and initially like really well funded, I think there was we were not smart about how we use money and how we think about budgeting and how we talk about capital, right? And then going to NTUC Enterprise, where I had to do like bottoms up budgeting and like, you know, being really particular about every single cost item and then working with the finance there, I was just like, wow, like the rigor that they apply is a huge contrast between both, right? A startup and a corporate, right? And of course, like we wouldn't want to go like too corporate because that's going to slow things down. But like there were so many things that I learned there. And I think like one of the things that we look at today is just like that same rigor in terms of how do we look at our burn? How do we think about spending money, right? I think we are a lot, and I'm really, really glad that like all of us founders are just super aligned on it. We're like, hey, we're engineers. We're just going to go as long as we can, you know, on this. And we even joke like, yeah, you know, like, I think triple people is going to be enough. We have chat GPT. Chat GPT can do a lot of things for us, you know. So I think it's really, it's, it's such a different contrast, you know. We are much smaller now. We are, I think like we have a much clearer sense of our survivability because we managed the runway. Whereas back in Honest B, it always felt like at the end of every year, there was going to be a risk of things falling off the cliff, right? Because we're going to run out of money. And of course, eventually we did. So at Honest B, it's like at the end of every year, it's always like, oh, you know what? If it looks like we're too fat, so we need to cut. That conversation happens every year at the end of Honest Beat. So it's like, sometimes even earlier than a year, right? And it's just crazy. And I'll just be like, look, all our team is great. Like, like the, some things we just can't cut, right? And I just don't, I think like, you know, that's something that we really want to avoid. I'm not sure if we can really avoid it. The reality is that when companies are growing, that tends to be like a lot of, there's going to be not so good decisions or ways or sub power optimizations. But these are some of the things that I think are going to matter a lot. So a lot more methodical. I think there are lots of things that from Honestbee and NTUSA Enterprise that I learned from both a startup and enterprise world that I apply to the thinking uh, that I have today. And that's also extremely, extremely useful. You know, sometimes a lot of the most useful skills are not what they I do as an engineer or from an engineering management perspective, but like, oh, I remember I had this conversation with the lawyer in Honestbee. And they always think from a mindset of like, what's the worst that can happen, right? I've also worked with HR, I've worked with like all these different teams. And so like all these different things come to me and like, even though I wasn't the one implementing or working on it, I was able to learn from observation and interaction. And this all goes a long way today because I'm like having to apply all these different skill sets as we go along. Mm. I think the ops component in, in Honest B also comes in really useful. Today, we do payroll and there's a different kind of ops. There's ops in terms of like financial reconciliation because we are doing disbursements, we're doing money movements and things like that, right? And how to be methodical about it, how to be, how to make sure that it's accurate because we're talking about payroll, we're talking about salaries, right? That's like super important. So, you know, I think like it's not so much about what key lessons per se, but I think a lot of these were absorbed over the number of years and I'm just applying it in a more like intuitive manner. I think like I'm someone that operates more at intuition first. And then after that, it takes me a bit of time to then explain why. So that's kind of one of the things I found that I operate in this way as well. Right. 
right? Yeah, thanks for sharing. And and earlier in the in the recording, you also shared shared that, you know, we also learn a lot during our NOC days, right? Yep. Classes in Stanford or in our internship back then, and what we have gathered since then, right? In the in the different checkpoints and different milestones, and applying the best and doing our best in what we can, right? Current venture, so. Maybe just one last question from a reflective uh, or sharing perspective. So, so what, is, what is one piece of advice you'd like to give this listener if he or she failed once, right, terribly at the startup, and he, and she, he or she is scared to step, in, to step up to kind of do it again? Yeah, yeah. I think this, is, this advice will be more independent of like whether you fail or not. Mm. I think like one thing that's really important is that a startup is hard enough as it is, right? So one of the things to do before you actually go into the startup is to make sure like how can you optimize and simplify the rest of your life how can you get as much support as possible so that you can be really focused right if you are worried about being able to pay your month-to-month bills or if you have a family to feed right is it responsible to do a startup and even if you really want to do a startup can you really really focus and spend 100% on it, right? So I think everyone's situation is different. What I would say is that figure out how to optimize and simplify everything around you first so that you can then focus on what you need to do on the startup. And I think, I think that's like super, super important. And that's what, that's the approach I keep on, like I take every day. Right. The other thing that I think like probably I'm doing very differently from honesty was that I actually value things like sleep and exercise a lot, a lot more. So I think like one of the biggest mistakes, at least looking back then, is that you work hard, but you're not working smart. Sometimes it's a lot, a lot of small movements, but they don't go anywhere, right? And I think like, of course, in the startup, there's a lot of grunt work that needs to be done, right? And sometimes these are things that you can do through like sleepless nights and I do agree with that but there are also times when you need to make good decisions and all that and if you don't have enough sleep if you're not well rested if you're not mentally in a good space it's actually very very difficult right so maybe you can say like this is a rationalization because I'm a parent I'm like I can't compete with the young folks out there that can spend like you know you know like uh, 18 hours there you know on the startup I can only spend at most like eight to 12 hours a day, right? And so we need to optimize how we spend that time. And so to me, it's really more like, okay, we have less time to make and take actions, but every action and every move that we take has to count a lot more. And if it doesn't, let's really figure out why. And I think that's that's one big change that I have had to take, also largely because of, I guess, becoming a parent. Yeah. Yeah. I think when, when when time is tight, right? You have less time, you really need to think about the correct step to take, right? And to yeah. spend the time with the with the right objective as well, right? And really thanks for your time, your precious time, John. I mean with the past like forty eight minutes that we spent together. Thank, thanks for sharing your, your journey with us, your story with us. And it's a wrap. So yeah, all the best. All the best to make impact in the world of HR tech and all the best in parenting and keep on inspiring others. Thank you, John. Yeah, really great time. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Your Grid Story Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please share it with your friends. Chase your dreams, live out your passion, and discover your great story. <laughs>